This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to the off-season version of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined alongside, as always, by my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Um, hoping this wouldn't be the episode we'd be recording this week. We would hope the Wild would have maybe just played Game 1 against the Avalanche last night. Not the case as following um, our last podcast where they led the series 2-1. They bowed out in three consecutive games to lose the series in six to the St. Louis Blues and their unbearable fans. Um, and their season is over again in the first round. Um, yeah, so we'll talk more about what went wrong in those final three games of the series. But then we'll change the tone of the show and we'll try to get our positivity back in the Minnesota way and reflect on some of our favorite moments from the offseason and talk about maybe what we will be bringing to you in terms of off-season content but before we get into all of that got to check in with everyone so the wild blues no pun intended um aside um from the season ending how you guys doing this week yeah you know doing pretty good i mean you know like you said obviously last week kind of sucked but obviously the weather's been really nice it's been pretty warm sunny outside every day so that's been cool to be able to hang out more just you know, do obviously do more stuff and all that. That's been nice and been doing good. The other, only other unfortunate thing about that is uh, I told my dad that when they lost the playoffs, I would cut my hair and shave. Uh-oh. So now I have to get rid of all this. Uh, since you, you know what you guys all can't see on camera, but the Brett and Justin can. It's been growing for like a year, and unfortunately, I now have to shave it off. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's got like a John go- Merrill hair with a like, yeah. <laughs> half Jason Zucker beard Something. going on. Yeah. There. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a little, it's kind of all over the place, but uh, yeah, no, no. Other than that, though, uh, yeah, uh, doing pretty good, all things considered. And Justin, excellent. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, obviously disappointed with the wild season, but uh, the like you guys said, the weather's been nice, so mm-hmm. been enjoying that. And then uh, the son, my oldest Miko, his hockey is kind of wrapped up till mid June, so uh, a little less running. Still coaching his baseball, and Amelia still has dance, so still running a little bit, but. 
kind of able to sit back and enjoy a little bit of time not running kind of just outside with them instead of running throughout the cities but yeah doing well well that's good to hear yeah just uh you know i don't think the one thing enough people are talking about zeke you mentioned the weather is nice the mm-hmm. wild stopped playing well when the weather turned nice um oh. like we kind of had bullshit all the way through the end of april and then in may it finally warmed up and then the wild started sucking so uh, i blame the weather it's the weather's fault we need cold weather to <laughs> succeed that was the issue mm-hmm. um no uh we'll, we'll find some excuses to maybe make here in a little bit uh but justin we'll kick uh-huh. it over to you here probably not a huge one but some significant uh prospect news is a key minnesota wild prospect finally signed his elc uh, in the last, uh, what, yesterday, two days ago? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually had a couple. I can't remember if I covered one of them last show, so I'll just cover both of them. Uh, the first one, Pavel Novak signed his three-year entry-level contract. Uh, you know, he'll add some offensive punch to Iowa, hopefully let all of our prospects that aren't in Iowa in points this season. Uh, and I guess points of players in Iowa too, but, you know, it's a little bit more competition than the juniors. Anyways, yeah. Uh, the other big one, Jesper Wallstead signed his three-year entry-level contract set to begin next season. Excited, kind of felt like this was going to happen, but uh, yeah, happy to have him finally over over this way and uh, bring his SHL leading goals against average to Iowa to see what he can do to develop there. Yeah, I'm excited for him to get some real game action again next yeah. season and. Right. You know, really kind of get that professional experience. Just that weird, like, oh, you got injured and now you're not going to play another game right. this year. It was kind of bullshit yep. after yep. how well he played before that injury. But, I mean, they got all the way. Did they win their championship? No, they lost in game yep. seven. See? So uh, Look, if it would have been Wallstead, they would have won. Yep. So Exactly. <clears throat> got to make goaltending <throat> adjustments sooner. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. No, it, it'll be great to see. Hopefully, he's the starter there next year because they had Zane McIntyre and then Barbo and Hunter Jones. At yeah, it was at kind North of a revolving Florida. door of those three. Yeah. And I hope you weren't. I mean, Hunter Jones probably. I'm, I'm sure he's a great human being, but I hope you weren't uh, overly excited when he went wild first got him because it's not looking like he has much of a NHL future. Um, even or even if, even an AHL future he struggled in the ECHL has not been great in Iowa um unfortunately size does not always win out um in net no nope. yeah so hopefully uh it seems like Iowa will be a fun team next year you know got mm-hmm. Novak and Wallstead and Simon Johansson signed and then some of these other guys uh, I don't think Rossi will be down there but you, you never know how seasonal start yeah, I mean but. it seems like Beckman the way things are shaping out will probably have another year down there um you know Doer's spot might not be guaranteed on the wild, but you have other guys like Chafee that'll be coming back. Iowa should be of a lot of fun young talent. I think probably the most they've had in, in a long time. That should be consistent, not kind of jumping back and forth. Right. Um, well, let's start off on, on the bad note, um, and that's kind of recapping um, the last three games of, of the wild series. Um, did not go at all. Um, how the wild planned after jumping out to a two, one lead. Um, things seems like they were going well. They were coming off a pretty dominant win and things were looking good. The fans were feeling good. Um, random, but, uh, Ian Cole just won game one for the hurricanes over the Rangers of all people. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could it, could have used him. Insult. Yep. Meet injury. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you go out of game two, two you, you blow the Blues out of the water six to two, and then you come out in game three, you win five to one. I mean, you outscore them oh. 11 to three in those two games. Things are feeling good. And then game four comes around, and everything just unraveled uh, from there. Pretty much there was that first period. Wild get out of it 1-1 with some, with some good goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury. And then it's a two-goal second period, and then pretty much the entire series was downhill uh, from that mm-hmm. point on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. No, you go ahead, Zeke. You're starting off. Well, I mean, I was just I was just going to say, I mean, even that uh, – you know, that fourth game, I thought even the third period, I mean, it was – despite, you know, they played, like, like you mentioned, Brett, they played pretty bad for large portions of that game. But even the third period, I mean, it seemed like they had several great chances to tie that game. I know Ryan Hartman had a two-on-one that he missed, and uh, – I think with like two and a half minutes left, Matt Thumpa centering pass that tipped about, you know, inches wide of the post on that far side. So, you know, they did that game that, you know, they, you know, it was frustrating because even with how poorly they started, they uh, still gave themselves a chance to win that game. And I mean, a lot of people I think have been, I think they talked about this during Evanston Garen's press conference yesterday that, you know, what was the turning point? And I think a lot of people have said that, you know, that fourth game obviously was it with, the injuries to their D, Marco Scandella going down in the game. I mean, you know, because you, you think about it, if, it, you know, it just seemed like really, from, you know, that they obviously just didn't take advantage of the opportunity. It just seemed like they came out of that game, like, you know, playing like, oh, we're happy to get the split and go back home. And, uh, you know, like we saw, I mean, we didn't know this at the time. That's why I wasn't freaking out too much. But, uh, you know, when it, it, that obviously that was just, uh, you know, that was the, the opportunity to put the, uh, foot on the gas and just uh, knock them out. But, I mean, as we saw, they uh, did not take advantage of that. Right. That was super frustrating. I mean, it seemed in my head like a lot of the games blend together. The three losses, it just seemed like we Mm -hmm. had too many passengers. It seemed like Kaprizov and Eck were were the two that were just kind of giving it their all. And it was almost like they were waiting for them to do something and and just no one else was really – chipping in a whole lot just too many passengers and you know when when you're facing a line like o'reilly and Perron that are continually scoring and and then you get their secondary scoring with like kairu and all those guys it's just to have one player two players going one line going and have like fiala who didn't score a single goal in the series not scoring that yep just that secondary scoring that second line that we had all regular season to all of a sudden just not do anything. It was just kind of the writing on the wall, frustrating, no no secondary mm-hmm. scoring beyond yeah. Kaprizov and Eck pretty much. I don't remember if it was game four or five, um, but the grief, the grief squad had one of their absolute worst games of the year. Um, just got manhandled, I think had something like a 5% expected goal share, which for that line is just <laughs> does not happen very often. And no. a big reason why... I think the Wild really struggled in, in games four and five and then were scrambling in six was Craig Berube did something Dean Evison did not have the balls to do, and that's he made big changes. Um, we saw Vili Husso come out of the lineup immediately and went Jordan Bennington. We saw him scramble lines, ones that had been together for the Blues Torrid stretch for the last two months of the season. Um, we saw him try out different deep pairings, try out different matchups, and Dean Evison didn't do any of that. And to me, that's what this series really came down to. The only adjustment the Wild made came in Game 6 when it was too little too late 
when you put in Cam Talbot, who now has been sitting on the bench for basically two and a half weeks. You brought Dmitry Kulikov back in the lineup, who game one was one of the worst <laughs> games I've ever seen a defenseman play. And, like, I don't think Goligoski or Merrill had played poorly. Like, they, were they a reason the Wild won any of their games? No. But were they the reason they lost any of those mm-hmm. other games? No. Was Dmitry Kulikov the reason they lost game one? A very big reason, absolutely. And it's a huge reason they lost game six. Um, well, when I mean, you take out Eck and play bad, it's uh, not a good Right, and then he, you know, he <laughs> basically direct result of two goals, got walked on the first one, did not pinch, took out X teeth, got lost on a back check on another. Like, it was just brutal. And then Connor Dewar, who we on this show maintain, should have been in the lineup from from game one and probably most of the season, um, p- played a terrific game. The fourth line actually had some effective shifts in that game. Um, Nick Delorier vanished in the playoffs. I don't want to hear the he was injured excuses. I was told he was he's brought in here. He's not a playoff to, player. That's, no, no one's going to fight. I, and no I don't believe it either because yeah. you know, I was told he was brought in to bring this energy to, to be intimidating, to protect our star players. And you watch Jared Spurgeon, Kevin Fiala, and these other players get jumped in the head by Braden Shen, and all Delorier does just kind of says some words to mouse off a little bit. Um, sure, he's a great guy. I love the energy he brought in the regular season, but he was a complete disappointment in the playoffs, and I think that adjustment to bring in Dewar, even Bukestead, was way long overdue. Um, and then you, the the lack of adjustments to the special teams were damning as well. Blues with a, play, yeah. with a power play goal. Um, in every game of the series, the power play you know, had a couple spurts where it looked legit for maybe four power plays out of the however 30 probably they had the, in the series. And it was just so disappointing to see Dean Evason just not coach. Um, you know, yeah. I think we, we, th- we talked about how cool it was the, you know, the culture in this locker room as the players took over and all this stuff. But at some point you as a coach have to step in, um, you know, at, at what point do you maybe, you know, that sure was that Fiala line great all year. Yeah. But at what point do you throw Tyson Jost there and try to get that line going, get, get someone offensive in there. You know, there was just so many things I felt, you know, bringing in Marco Rossi to put on the first line, slide Hartman to a Like, there were so many things he could have done, and they just didn't do it. And it was just so frustrating mm-hmm. to me. Like, hey, this hasn't worked. Every game you've lost, there have been very similar things that have happened. You did nothing to fix it. Um, and the Talbot-Flurry thing I don't think is a huge deal. The goaltending wasn't the reason they lost the series. Talbot was thrown into a pretty shitty situation. Um mm-hmm. I think they maybe should have gone to Talbot sooner. Would that have made that much of a difference? I don't think so because, Justin, as you, you kind of talked about before we jumped into the show, is the secondary scoring evaporated um, and was a huge issue as well. So that's that's my soapbox um, a little bit. So if you guys <laughs> want to expand anything or well, or add your own, feel free to mm-hmm. do so. Well, I will say that, you know, on the on the goaltending thing, I thought that at that point, I mean, like you mentioned, but when you got to game six, it was like what was the point of making a switch? Like that just seems – that reeks of complete desperation just you know like you know at this point why are you doing it like you know as you mentioned there's i just I thought i mean i think we talked about it. it would have been better to start him at home in the fifth game or even earlier or even so stick with a similar rotation to what they had i mean not you don't have to go over their game but they had the regular season towards the end when they were winning a ton of games i mean i guess yeah i mean like you said that that might not have made a huge difference but I mean, I think I just agree with you overall that, you know, you mentioned guys like Jost and Bukestad. I mean, you know, you mentioned putting a guy new at the top line. I mean, I thought, like, you know, we saw it was only one game, but we saw Jost look pretty good on the top line there. Like, maybe try that for a game. Uh, a period, a shift, like, something. Yeah, like, even a little bit. Like, it doesn't – you don't have to 
I mean, you can switch that stuff, obviously, like you said, every shift, every period. But I also, you know, you mentioned guys like even on the fourth line, like obviously Dewar, but even Bukestad, I, you know, I thought would have been a huge improvement over, as you said, anything Deloria would have brought because at least he brings some offense and can move and can contribute, uh, you know, to the rest of the team instead of, you know, uh, pretty much, you know, just anybody outside of 97, uh, you know, pretty much being a, you know, a ghost town and I, yeah. Maybe that is one that... area we should have hit yeah. on is, you know, I feel terrible for Kirill Kaprizov because he was the only one who put yeah. his heart and soul in any of those games down the stretch, it seemed. Especially was mm-hmm. it uh, game five, I think, where he was basically single-handedly carrying the yeah. team. Felino, I thought we were going to win then. I yeah. thought, yeah. here we go. Everyone's going to go jump on my back, boys. Let's go. Yeah. But yeah, He, no. he can't do it all. No. no. As much as we'd like him to, he, he yeah. can't. <laughs> it was almost like they were looking for him to do it all too because no one was doing anything and every time something would happen it was Kaprizov I was like yeah, guys yeah. give him support this is he might be a 100 point player superstar but he can't do everything himself this is yeah. we need we need everyone <laughs> uh, and something you touched on Brett too that really pissed me off was the special teams um, we knew coming in from the regular season that it was pretty bad but it was atrocious just they on the power play, they, they couldn't even make zone entries, and then and they end up dumping and chasing, losing the puck. They ice it again. We come down. Well, and, the most frustrating we, part about the dumps in the power yeah. play is, like, for one, I'm completely against dumping on the power play. If you don't yeah. feel like you have a clean mm-hmm. entry, just circle back, regroup it yeah. neutral, and try again. Um, mm-hmm. The Wild have guys who can carry the puck in the zone. Kaprizov, Boldy, Fiala, all great at guys carrying the pucks in the zone. What frustrates me is you get these guys like a Felino sometimes or a Freddie Goudreau or a Ryan Hartman who don't have that confidence. All of a sudden, they end up with the puck, and they soft dump it in the corner, try to rim it around the boards. Nine times out of ten, a defenseman's going back, getting that, turning and clearing it. Jordan Binnington stopping it, moving it to a player, and they're clearing mm-hmm. it. And just like you said, then they're coming right back. Dumping's not yeah. effective on the power play. Yeah. And the Wild have too much skill to be a dump and chase team on the power play of all places. Yeah. I mean, granted, other times where it's good to dump, yeah, if you're sending it harder on the boards – and you have a guy going hard to the opposite corner to win that race, sure, fine, dump it. Or if it's a dump pass where a guy's coming in and, you, and you're kind of leading them with that bank pass out of the corner, sure. But these like half-assed, ring around the boards, hope we win a battle, in which the Wild did not win battles on the boards all series, it didn't work. And they, Again, they just kept doing it. It was so right. frustrating. It seemed like when they did get the puck in the zone, <clears throat> they couldn't get set up. They, they might get set up for a moment, and then they'd lose the puck with – either a bad pass or a stupid shot or something, just trying to force stuff. And Well, and even the other team would get more chances than yeah. they would. Right. It's just something that needs to change the offseason, new new special teams coaches mm-hmm. or something, because we can't go into next year. Uh, maybe fiala with that shit of a power play and penalty kill through the season because that that's just going to kill us again. I mean, because even you looked in game six against Blues, I mean, that, that was a – I mean, we're not even talking about them being like a top five power play. This is like better than 25th or whatever. Like, you know, be top half of the league at the least, you know, you're going to get five chances in a game. You know, if you score one or two goals extra there, it might not seem that much, but that could be the difference between winning a game. And and then that game in St. Louis, I think they had a couple, like two or three power plays in that first period to go ahead or tie. I mean, you know, if you score on one of those and St. Louis scores that, their first goal, Justin Falk, which was just a whole mess by everybody on the ice, you know, then it's maybe not as big of a deal. But And then you see, you know, the one Ryan O'Reilly scored uh, on their power play in the second. That was an easy tic-tac-toe, you know, 
tape and tape. It's like yeah, and you, you have know, people I mean, like you know Jonas Brodine who are usually very defensively sound, mind. just like yeah. <laughs> laying on the ice in the middle of nowhere. And then Matt Dumba's like, "What are you doing?" And then he got confused by Jimmy Lana on the ice and lost his guy out front. And yeah. ugh, it was just just brutal. Um, Although tough, to be fair, to uh, yeah, to be fair on the. On the dumbest thing, obviously, we learned that he had punctured his lung and broken his ribs, so it would be understandable why he was not. Uh, although that's a whole separate debate on whether he should have been playing if he was that hurt. But you know. yeah, but also I thought Dumbo, I thought actually played pretty dang well. Yeah, I agree. Um, his micro stat game mistakes, scores, which but... is not something I track, that's tracked by other people, was like the best of any defenseman in the series um, for his effectiveness with puck carries, exits, denying passes through the slot. Um, all kind of those little, you know, what coaches might call the little things um, Dumbo was doing. We saw him still be a little physical. He did get a clap bomb off for a goal, I think. Um, was that game mm-hmm. six? I think he actually was one that scored the goal, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, like, you know, love to hate Dumbo, I guess, as, as people do. But <laughs> I had a pretty good series, I think, all things considered. But, um, you know, there was just it, – it didn't look – it wasn't Jared Spurgeon's, I don't think, best stretch of hockey either. Um, we know he was playing through an injury. I still don't know that we know specifically what that was, but you know we saw him lose his cool kind of in game one, and um, it kind of a peaks and valleys. Like he had some games where he looked really good, some other games where he just wasn't quite there. But I think that was the, kind of the case for the whole team too. So um, yeah, <laughs> Battle of Alberta update: three zero Flames on oh, nine shots. So Mike, Mike Smith, Smith, Mike Smithing. <laughs> yeah, he's Four years old. Here. <laughs> Oof. Wow. That's not good. And McDavid just scored, so now it's 3 1. Wow, we are missing a hell of a game. Yeah. <laughs> to bring you well, hashtag like content, five, you're welcome. So. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess for me, it, um, you know, the what is the, what do I hope kind of happen in that locker room? Um, I hope, you know, the guys remember this feeling and how disappointing that was for. The ones that do come back, and I hope that Billy Guerin had a long sit-down with Dean Evason and said, hey, look, I just gave you and your staff three-year extensions because I believe in what you're doing here, but you got to learn to fucking coach in the playoffs. you got to <laughs> not be afraid to make adjustments, and we need you to coach. Um, do I like? There was a lot of people, I mean, obviously in the moment, you know, when you bow out in round one, the first thing you always want to do is blame the coach, fire the coach. I don't think that's the answer right now, but I think that hard tart needs to be had is, hey, we need – Right. You gotta step up, or in this situation mm-hmm. again, you got You gotta do something. Yeah, they uh, they definitely need to learn from this and take it in the next year and use it and not uh, kind of status yeah. quo going there and trying to do the same thing again. Yeah, and I think kind of off that, you know, they were. I mean, him and Garen said this again yesterday at their conference press conference. Like, you know, them and the entire team has been you know selling the whole year that you know it's a different team, it's a special group and all that. And some people are like, well, it was the same result. It's not. I mean, I think. Both things can be true. Yeah. That uh, you know, with you know, things we saw about Ryan Suter obviously in recent weeks, that it can be a close team. It can be special in terms of, you know, their bond and, and you know, kind of how they play together and fit together. I don't you know, I think it can be different and uh, at the same time it you know, it's just not always gonna work out uh, results wise. So I you know, I thought you know, I saw some, you know, comments about that yesterday that, you know, I don't think it's the same thing. But yeah, no, I mean it's it's frustrating because, I mean, I tweeted this out, basically, that, you know, where'd that team go? And a lot of people were like, well, St. Louis is just better and all this, and blah, 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 which is true. But it's just, uh, it, I just didn't get why, 
you know, we can say, as we've talked about with coaching, special teams and all that, fix this or that. It was just the complete basically disappearance of like the entire team who, as Garrett said yesterday, the whole year their identity was be able to come back. And especially in that game, you know, five at home when they went into the third period tied 2-2 and, you know, they just completely imploded there the first couple of minutes. I just, it, it, I just didn't, uh, I just, I'm still confused at, you know, how they were able to basically collapse and basically whimper into the night three straight games it just it still doesn't really make any sense that they didn't at least you know put up a fight and yeah, it wasn't that, that you know, fight we'd it, seen so many times it just it didn't seem there but no, at the yeah. same time too i think you got to give some credit and well-deserved credit to the st louis blues and craig berube for one mm-hmm. stepping in making the adjustments for scrambling his lines for you know basically finding ways to i mean i'd had i'd have to go back and look and watch the film at how they managed to just completely negate Fiala, Boldy, and Goudreau and make that line, you know, a, a speck of dust on the mirror of life, basically. Like, just totally irrelevant. Um, you know, how they managed to adjust to playing against the grief line. Um, how they managed to expose the Wilds' penalty kill over and over. Even after those adjustments in Game 1, they found other ways to to kind of defend or, or work around that, that new tighter box formation. Like, they, they made all the right decisions. They, you know hate him or however much you want like I do like Braden Shen but you know he <laughs> he pushed it right to the very edge with you know his physicality and finding ways to not get penalized fair or not um they just they did all the things that we felt the wild just didn't do right we didn't see you know a Marcus Felino or a Nick Delorier or a Jake Middleton go on just crush a guy Felino had a yeah. couple on Kyrie I think and that was game five, five. yeah um yeah. Which, but I mean, again, it just didn't really seem to spark the team the way you'd hope. But like outside of that, like three hits in that game, like I really didn't feel like there was much any of that at all. And just you know, credit to the Blues. They 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 played the playoff hockey. They had guys that had been there, done it before. And um, Jordan Bennington, which you know, coming cold off the bench too, um, came in and oh, played nine. played very well too, and continued that into um, an ass kicking by the Avalanche last night. He's the only reason that game wasn't about nine to two. Um, him in the posts, I think, which the Avalanche hit five of. Um, but goddamn, I'm part of me is glad we're not playing the Avalanche because <laughs> that well, team is real fucking good. Yeah, I mean they are. It's kind of tough because you you, know, you watch that game and obviously for some reason it seems obviously regular season is different, but for some reason it seems the last few years they've played Colorado at least really well and given them games and them being more of a speed skill team now. You know, my biased fan says you know maybe they'd win. A couple games in the but you know like you said uh i mean hey you know it i think we would have it would have sucked by you know I, at the same time i think we would all been you know, you know we just wanted to play more games and unfortunately that right. uh, they're not good because i mean at that point if you beat st louis in the first round and then you get beat by colorado who's the best team in the league regular season it's like i mean you're kind of playing with how you would have been playing with house money in terms of you know haven't won a playoff round in seven years but uh Thankfully, Toronto lost, so we don't have the time for the longest <laughs> series losing streak currently. We're one behind at seven. So yeah. Death taxes but as a Wild and Leafs fan not overall, out of the first like 114 round. seasons without a championship, so yeah. you got that going, too. It's yeah. just... Ouch. It's, it's, uh, I'm still optimistic. We got a, <clears throat> a bright future here with you yeah. know a lot of good prospects and a lot of picks coming up, and who knows what we get if we trade Fiala... Uh, yeah, but, you know uh, what hall we'll get from there it'll be three game, years of hell to get so, there but uh, uh as disappointing as this season is kind of trying to look forward and 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 
hope they continue to build this thing into a, a perennial winner. So yeah, it'll be hell to get there. Um, yeah. With the salary cap punches they're going to have, and we'll have the show um, probably later on after the playoffs sometime, where we'll kind of put on our Garen hats and talk about maybe some moves and you know maybe talk about the rumblings, which hopefully will be there at that point uh, to what we would do um, in the off season. But um, yeah, I think that's enough stewing on another disappointing first round exit for the Minnesota Wild. We'll hopefully not be talking about this next year, uh, but at the same time, you know I think. At this point, like I don't, a second round loss next year wouldn't make me happy either, right? Like, right. It, it, we suck. need we need more playoff success at this point, yeah. and I think hopefully that's the message and, and the lesson these guys take away. But let's move on. Let's get happy now, um, and let's just discuss and reflect on uh, some of our favorite moments from the season. Uh, so I don't know who wants to kick it off here. Um, but if one of you two just has a moment that you're dying just to share, reflect on to get this to get this train back on on positive things, uh, feel free to to jump in. Uh, I'll jump in first. Uh, absolutely, my favorite memory of the season was taking my oldest to his first wild game. Uh, it's kind of something that uh, since the day each of them, each of my kids have been born, I, I've kind of been excited to do. Uh, at the time, didn't know if it would ever happen because I was living in Tennessee. But now that we're back in Minnesota, it was just like, all right, this is this is it, and it couldn't have gone better than uh, than I could have asked for. Just a big win. He got the get waved to by Fiala, end up on the big board, and do all this stuff, and be with his family and, and experience a win, and just have a blast. So it, that was by far my favorite memory of the season. Yeah, I think for me, kind of to build on that, you know, not necessarily wild specific, but um, me and a couple of my buddies, like, basically checked, like, every big box of, you know, wild games this year. We got, you know, we were at the season opener, which I'll talk about that maybe here in a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. We got to go to a game on the glass against the Hurricanes, who are my second favorite team. Um, We got the opportunity to... Um, go to the Winter Classic. We ended up buying tickets to Game One of the playoffs, which is shitty as that game was. You know, just to be you know, in that atmosphere yeah. for Game One oh. was was really cool for those first ten minutes of that game. Um, and you know, j- just being able to kind of do all those games with my buddies and be there and you know on the glass and for huge moments and big stuff, I think was just super cool um, to get out and get to some games with with you know people you care about like you suggesting you know in your case your yeah. son for me you know some of my really good friends so that was definitely a big plus it's just you know not just going to games but being lucky enough to be at some of the big kind of milestone games for the year mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i think i'll just you know i had it in my, in my mind i'll just do something similar but for me obviously it was you know going to a lot of games with my dad went to a couple with my uncle and my brother and all this and Especially, you know, obviously the last two years not even be able to go to games. And even if you were, it was, you know, I went to one. I think we all went to at least one last year when there was like 3,000 people mm-hmm. in there. Yep. It was just, yeah. I remember it was, it was just really strange looking around and seeing one complete sex half of the arena just right. empty and quiet. And it was just, uh, you know, I think that was just a really, it was just fun to be back in that atmosphere and, uh, to, you know, to be at so many games uh, just, you know, with, with the crowd. I mean, it seemed... Uh, you know, obviously everyone said it, but this year that, you know, the crowd was, it's been better than obviously, obviously when the team is really good, it helps, but the crowd this year, you know, was always loud. People are always into the games and, they, you know, it was pretty much always full no matter what. And I mean, for the most part, I mean, even though they, you know, they lost a few times, but pretty much every game I went to, I mean, even the ones this year, 
that uh, you know that they would lose, they would still you know score two, three, four goals, and you know you'd at least come out with something fun, uh, you know, to to remember it by and to have a good time. And I think it was you know just for me, like you guys, that was a it was just a blast just to be back in the arena with other fans and you know be back around people again and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, so to to get back, I think you know, kind of moving on here. Um, by far, the most favorite game I attended this year, which and it might still, it, it it's gonna be probably tough <laughs> to ever top this. The best wild game I've ever been to um, was a home opener against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, it was the first time the Wild had you know a sold out XL in the Kirill Kaprizov era. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't remember the game, then it's six to five in overtime. Um, Jewel Eriksson had a hat trick, um, and I thought the thirty goal campaign was gonna be off to just just I thought I was like oh, I should have made it fifty. Um, <laughs> we saw you know Jewel Eriksson Eck first line center between Hartman or uh, Kaprizov Zuccarello. That line looked awesome that game. There was the Wild kind of battled back. I don't remember what the deficit was. It was it might have been four to one. I uh, believe five at to one three. Point. I think. Yeah, or five to three. Something the like Jets that. scored an empty netter, and I believe Mark Shifley was or is it Mark Shifley or Kyle Connor? I think Shifley scored it, and Kyle Connor came in offside, mm-hmm. an empty netter. The Wild challenge it, get it right, and come back, score two goals in like the final two minutes after about a couple thousand people left before the review, and yeah. then they go into overtime. And just Cam Talbot makes this huge save, like point blank. The Wild go the other way. Um, I believe they had a power play um, as well because mm. they had like four guys in the ice, and it was like a Kaprizov, Fiala, Erickson Eck, like little tic-tac-toe, <laughs> ring around the rosy back door. Um, and we were in a suite for the game directly behind the oh, net yeah. where X scored. And my voice was just gone. We were screaming so loud. We had, you know, so we had unlimited drinks all night. So we were a little buzzing. <laughs> we're walking out of the arena and freaking here comes, you know, Craig Leopold and the Wild Brass, like walking through, like giving high fives to people. Like, how about that game? How about that start? So, like, that game, just so many great memories just from the way, you know, they battled back to – you know, guys like Erickson X stepping up, just the energy in that building. Like, I was there for game one of the playoffs, and I still don't think the energy of when the Wild tied in and then went on to win it was comparable. I mean, that that mm-hmm. crowd was just going absolutely bananas. Um, and that yeah. game was just really fun and awesome to be at. Yeah, I mean, I hate to, I agree, I hate to piggyback off you again, but I think, you know, that was. Just you know, my, I think like you like you mentioned, it was that game. Uh, it was even from the puck drop. Like remember the pregame warmups they had, you know, the video showing the past, like you know, having a flashback to when everything got shut down. And I remember basically the whole place booed when they showed uh, that thing, and mm-hmm. <laughs> like when they like when they boo when they say that's going to snow on the weather report, kind of the same thing. And you know, just the you know even just from simple things like that. Let's play hockey chant. It was loud. I mean. Obviously, everyone remembers the uh, Mark Foligno Superman punch fight. Uh, yep. You know the place was going nuts then, and uh, I mean, and like you said, uh, the other moment I remember from that game though too was you know he didn't score, but uh, about four or five minutes into that game when the Kaprizov coming down the left wing, I remember he got the puck and the whole place you could just hear the noise level went up about fifty yep. percent right away, and he made that nice toe drag move around the guy, and you know he just missed a shot, but. You know, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it, obviously, people watched last year, but you know, kind of, you know, like we're both in there. When you're in there, a lot of people. That's probably the first time they've ever seen him play, and to hear that you know, reaction, just you know, that noise was really cool. Yeah, that hum and, uh, and that buzz I mean, every time he touched the puck. Right. Yeah, I mean, then that 
that went off every year. And uh, yeah, no, no I, uh, that, like you said, but that's a, that game's good lesson and uh, never leave early, especially if you paid a lot of money to be there. You, you never know what will happen. All right. I, I think my next favorite moment was uh, the, the only other game I went to this year. I, the game kind of sucked because it was a big loss, but uh, Miko, Miko Koivu retirement yep. night. Uh, I almost didn't go because I honestly had no plans to go, and then my neighbor had an extra ticket and was, asked me last minute, hey, you want to go? I was like, uh, yeah, shit, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it was awesome to be there for that moment, uh, the first jersey retirement outside of the Wild fans one. We're not going to talk about that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just my all-time favorite player up until – his retirement and, and obviously everyone knows my oldest name after him. I think of my oldest now when I hear the name Miko before Koivu, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a pretty amazing to be able to be there and witness that ceremony. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that was special for me too. And I think we beat that in the ground on this show and I beat that to ground on Twitter about how much being there meant to me, but still like specifically from that, from that ceremony, the part that I think will ever stick, forever stick with me is just when that jersey got about three quarters way up the rafters and Miko normally stoic ironclad emotionless leader well not emotionless but you know not one to show a ton you know outside of anger or excitement in a really big moment he kept his head pretty cool and um, to see him just break down in just tears and hug his kids is you know just staring up at that banner that was whew, man that was a uh, yep emotional moment i think and just it was just showed you know how much this organization this franchise meant to him and you know i think the fans there too just the constant miko chances someone who's constantly read you know the the, the tweets about you know koivu sucks this and doesn't deserve that i think to, well, that's to be around people who saw it the way i did was was just really cool so mm-hmm. yeah and it's uh it, that'll be there for as long as the building is which is the yeah. coolest thing about it so Absolutely. Zeke, do you have a, a moment you want to go to next year? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, again, this is these are some obvious ones, but I think, you know, the next one for me probably have to go with just the Winter Classic and everything. Obviously, I mean, you were, I think you were there, right, Brett? Yep. Freezing okay, yeah, no, I mean, freaking ass off. Yeah. But, you know, that, I don't think I've ever been more cold than I was no, that night. No, absolutely though, have never been that cold in my even life. Though, even though I don't know what, what you had, but I had, like, probably six layers on it. Oh, yeah, I was easily... Special. Five layers yeah. deep on the bottom, six layers deep on the top, and I think ski mask, hat, hood, mm-hmm. um, two pairs of gloves, plus hand warmers. Like. Yeah, no, I had a lot of special, these special pair of boots for that night, these new pants. I mean, Well, I did, too. It said had... they were supposed to be good up to 25 below zero. Bullshit. False yeah, advertising. <laughs> My feet were freezing, and I had two pairs of socks yeah. on, and one of them were, like, fur-lined wool socks. Still didn't work. Oof. Yeah, no, I, I attempted to put the hand warmers in the boots and the feet i tried that didn't work did not uh, nope. didn't work too well but uh <laughs> i what i did find weird so i move off this tangent was for some reason my knees were cold as hell too i don't know why but mm. uh but i mean overall obviously that was uh you know the, the only probably problem for me was with the glasses getting fogged up every once in a while i had to be diligent to make sure that i could see the game <laughs> uh, but i mean like overall it was just an awesome atmosphere obviously just walking down there before uh you know seeing all the people down there you know all the wild blues fans all the jerseys uh just you know obviously something that everyone's wanted to have happen here this event for a long time and uh you know to and, and obviously it was just a really cool setup they had in, in target field with everything and uh 
just to, you know, obviously the game didn't go maybe as much as we wanted, but, you know, at the same point, uh, you know, obviously you'd want the Wild to win, but that wasn't as much the point of going to that game anyways. It was just to, you know, say, hey, we got to, you know, it's, the point is you say, hey, I saw, you know, an outdoor hockey game in a baseball stadium in January when it was 10 below, and, it's, you know, it's just a cool story. And, you know, the only – the other funny thing that I remember from that day was, uh, you know, I kept going to trying to go to the bathroom, and I wonder, why is the line so damn long? And it wasn't well, people it's trying so to go warm to the bathroom because they were all just sitting there trying to <laughs> – not die and uh, well the bathrooms were like 80 degrees it felt i mean they might have only been like 50 but when it was like 40 below outside like the heaters in those it felt so good (laughs) there was one point where i had to go in there warm up my toes and i just like stood in there someone's like are you waiting for the urine i'm like nah i'm just warming up my toes (laughs) but um yeah i mean just minnesota hockey in every way possible and you know, first two periods were kind of shit, but hey, at least they they came out. They scored some goals in the third. You know, had us on the edge of our seat there for a second, wondering if they could come back again, but um, couldn't yeah. do it. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a super fun game and an experience. Um, the one thing I'm still salty about is they had these all these different like mini games and stuff on on the plaza like before the game, and mm-hmm. there's one like shooting one. If you got your you know these foam pucks and a little target, you got like a prize from Pepsi. And I won this apparently like this decent like Bluetooth speaker because I got like it was like top prize or whatever. I hit all three pucks mm-hmm. or whatever into the target. And I was like, I got home. Oh, I'm excited to try this out. You know, maybe bring this out on the golf course with me or throw it in the bathroom or something. And um, didn't turn on. Mm-hmm. My speaker was broken. The like on off switch was like physically <laughs> broken. So Damn. all that hard work for nothing. Right. Um <laughs> I can go next. My next one, we're kind of going chronologically here, so I'll stick with that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, about a week later, after uh, the Winter Classic, we had probably one of the coolest days of of the season, and that was the simultaneous rookie debuts of both Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi um, in Boston, which obviously ended with not a game-winning goal in the sense of an overtime winner, but um, you know, the the first career goal for Matt Boldy, which turned in to be the eventual game winner. Um, in front of all of his friends and family in Boston, um, just to see him and Rossi, you know, two two players that this podcast are head over heels for, um, to see them make their debut, which is super cool. And for the Wild to win that game, for Bully to score the goal, for Rossi to play a great game, I think was just re- really, really cool. Um, you know, not too often two players of that caliber will make a debut midseason. Right. Um, like they did, and I thought that was just that was super awesome um, to watch that and to freak out on Twitter yeah. um, over the Matt Boldy goal. <laughs> yeah, that was <clears throat> that was on my list too. I, I think another cool thing with it was is Boldy's whole family was there. Yeah, and, and they get to see him score his first career goal, and, and it ends up being the game-winning goal. It's just you can't really write it up much better than that for him. Yeah, those clips of his family celebrating are just priceless. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the next. Uh, moment that I uh my favorite moments I'm gonna kind of roll two moments into one it was Kaprizov's mm-hmm. 43rd goal and when he reached 100 points just seeing him break all these franchise records and yeah. become our first 100 point player because you know we sit here I I tracked him pretty much three years before he came here in Russia and I know you guys did as well and uh, to have you know run that countdown page and have him follow you and then have mm-hmm. him finally sign and then get here and be better than advertised, win the Calder Trophy, and then the next year he comes in and breaks all his records and gets 100 points. Yeah, it's probably just... could have had heart trophy yeah. consideration if not for right. 
you know, so many players across the league having historic seasons. Yeah. I, I think yeah. the for, for full transparency, I think the three players that did get chosen for the Hart Trophy finalists were, were the right three players. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, and it's just awesome to see him come in and do all this and be better than advertised. We knew he was going to be good, but uh, he's exceeded expectations, even though his exp- expectations were high to begin with. Yeah, yeah I thought it was, I mean, it was funny because he got, you know, you mentioned that game. He got, that was probably the third, fourth, or fifth standing O he got basically all year. And, uh, you know, shyly looking, trying to get on the bench yeah. the one time, and the guys wouldn't let him back on the bench. <laughs> they basically said, go out there, acknowledge your crowd. But, yeah. I mean, that the 100 point, Justin, you mentioned, I mean, that the whole place, it was basically the whole commercial break just going nuts. And, uh, yeah. and I mean, like you said, that, you know, stuff like that is, uh, it doesn't happen often. It is, I agree with you. That was really cool. Yeah. And that, that same game, Kaprizov hit 100 was it, you know, I had that game on here, but not to be mm-hmm. forgotten in that game was the fact that Kevin Fiala scored five points, um, yeah. four primary assists, secondary assists, just going bananas and, I think that game was cool. You know, the expansion team, you know, when you get burned by Vegas to, you know, have that expansion team come in. Granted, they were, you know, Seattle sucked this year. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, to kind of have your two stars just kind of pop yeah. off for different reasons on the same night was was really cool. And if, you know, that's one of the last positive Kevin Fiala memories that we have, I, I guess so be it. Um, but just really cool to see just, you know, so much talent on display. And it was one of those games where you felt like every time, Kevin Fiala, Kirill Kaprizov touched the puck. It was going in the back of the net. Um, I think it ended up, it was a four-point game, I think, for Kaprizov, five-point game yeah. for Fiala, and a 6-3 to three win. I think Eck had four points in that game, too. Um, j- just really cool just to see, you know, all that talent on display. And I think for those moments to happen at home, too, where the crowd could acknowledge him, I think was was pretty special yeah. as well. Because I believe the, was the 43rd goal, did that come on the road? Yeah, uh, well, I think it was in St. Louis when they uh, had that comeback. When yeah, down, and then it, and then right. it wasn't so you know wasn't that acknowledgement couldn't come until yeah um, until he got back. So I thought that was cool too. That those those milestones happened at home. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my last one here, um, just because it was really fun um, while it lasted, it would have been the uh, the game two, Kirill Kaprizov hat trick. Um, you know, hard to, you know, it was the one probably good memory from the playoffs, especially after, you know, you thought it was Jewel Erickson Eck and there were hats thrown and my roommate and I were throwing hats in our apartment. I don't know if people saw the clips on Twitter or not. Um, but just, uh, you know, Kirill Kaprizov would do it, you know, in the playoffs, you know, not only is this, you know, that we've been starved of a, of a regular season star, but there's never been a wild player to step up in the postseason and Kirill Kaprizov, um, I believe his six or seven, whatever, ended up being postseason goals was like, I believe like the ninth player to do it of all time or something, or um, yeah. like the modern era, some ridiculous stat of the goals in one series. Um, to have that performance, I think was was a welcome sight. Um, unfortunately, it didn't end you know the way we wanted, but you know I'll hold on to game two and the good memories that came from that <laughs> right. one with the with the Kaprizov hat trick and the Jewel Eriksson almost hat trick if Marcus Foligno wasn't five feet offside. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Any other ones for either you guys? Here? Well, I think just for me, I think, you know, obviously, you know, I think just my last one is just kind of the trade deadline from standpoint. You know, the team was playing really well. And to have, you know, obviously, with everyone knowing what's coming with the salary cap this year, to have a team that's already playing really well and to have, you know, the general manager, the people in the front office, you know, actually go out and, 
you know, it obviously didn't work out the way we wanted, but to, I thought it was just really exciting time to be a Wilds fan when, you know, you got, you're trading for, you know, regardless, like I said, regardless of performance, you see him bring in future Hall of Fame goalie and Marc-Andre Fleury. You see him bring in Jacob Middleton, Tyson Jones, Nicholas Delorier. I mean, not all big names, but I just, it just was really, you know, I remember it, it just, you just felt really optimistic, you know, that time. It, it felt like they made well the team played. better without like really Gutting. leveraging the future. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I agree. And it was, uh, I don't know, it just felt really good to, you know, for once as a wild fan of team Minnesota to have, you know, you're, you already kind of felt like that, you know, this team that we have, you know, you know, they seem like they have a chance to do something here and then to have the, you know, them go out and be aggressive and trying to improve and give them a real shot to, you know, obviously didn't turn out, but I mean, it was just really cool to see that and to have that, uh, you know, that feeling or even almost that expectation that, uh, you know, that the, they had, they had the chance to do something special and that, you know, the, the team, the, you know, the GM obviously believing in the team enough to go out and do. I just thought it was a, it was just a great feeling as a fan to, you know, see that push, I suppose. Yeah. And I, I, I'll go with my last one here. And it, it was the overtime goal Caprice have scored against Calgary because uh, we we're fighting for home ice and, and mm-hmm. the crowd was bonkers. They're all set to uh, basically in that playoff mode and, and to, you know, play a, a really good Calgary team and come out and beat them and score in overtime. It was just the crowd and, and the Caprice reaction and the play, the tic-tac-toe with, I forgot who else was involved, and it was Fiala and Kaprizov. I can remember the third player, but uh, just just the reaction from Kaprizov and the crowd and, and the atmosphere, like two games right before the playoffs, was just amazing to see. Yeah, and I think we can wrap up. I think we can probably all agree. Just you know, it was our pleasure to cover just a you know incredibly fun team from you know mm-hmm. all the records broken by. I mean, maybe we'll, we'll when we do our player reviews we'll have to read off the career accomplishments for each player um the the list is extensive it's remarkable how many guys had career years how many franchise records were broken um to be able to cover that and and share you know live reactions was was super fun i think that's you know there was some arguments here and there but that's by far one of the most fun years if not the most fun year i've ever had on twitter interacting with fans and wild twitter i think you know that that can't be overlooked how special Mm -hmm. that was um, and then too, I think just to witness, you know, just a historic wild team, I think was awesome. And, um, you know, regular season success in the end, does it really matter? No. Can you be upset with postseason disaster? Yes. But can you also reflect back and say, Hey, that, that, you know, 82 game run was a hell of a fun time. And from all the comebacks mm-hmm. and records and the interaction with fans and sharing those moments with, with new friends and old friends, I think was, was certainly, certainly a treat for me. There was seventy nine individual best records broken this year. So, damn, just a few. Pretty freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't count any franchise records. That's just personal. No, it's yeah. just individual. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> seems all right. That's yeah, yeah. just okay. Pretty good. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, what to look forward to here as we head into the off season? We'll probably take a little another uh, brief hiatus here as the playoffs continue, as we kind of gear up to bring you kind of some some in depth episodes. Um, to what those look like? If you follow along last off season, some of those same episodes will be coming back. So we'll have our uh, player grades episode. We'll go through rank or not rank, uh, rate every player um, season on a scale of uh, A plus to F. 
um, and our reactions to how they've you know performed in you know in relativity to their expectation, not in comparison to one another, in comparison to the expectation of those players coming into the season. Um, so we'll have that episode. We will have our Sound the Foghorn Award Show, um, which you will have the opportunity to vote on and pick the winners. Um, that'll be on a, a Google form. So stay tuned to our our uh, feeds for all that, and you know include Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Goal of the Year. Um, maybe we'll throw like a best moment of the year in there from this show. Some of our favorites from there, see what the fans, the fans were, um, like there's most improved player, a whole bunch of different fun awards that fans will have the opportunity to vote on. Um, we'll reveal those results on that show. Um, we've got a, um, not, won't give away too much detail, but to tease a little bit, we're doing a massive prospect collaboration episode with our friends at the soda pod and Judd's buds, um, which we're pretty excited for that. Um, we'll have a draft preview show again this year as we head into the draft because, you know, as we'll talk about too, another episode as we preview kind of the off season ahead for Bill Guerin, there maybe could be the wild picking in the top 10 potentially with a second overall pick or seventh overall pick from the devils or the senators or perhaps some other, um, we're in there. So maybe it's still a draft to pay attention to for wild fans. Um, but yeah, tons of fun off-season shows we're not going anywhere um as for the timeline they might just drop on your feed in a random day um but stay tuned to the uh sun the foghorn twitter account um just to get updates and when shows should be dropping and all of that good stuff um that's all i got though guys any uh final thoughts here before we wrap up i just again want to thank everyone for supporting us uh we've said it a hundred times we kind of took a chance to do the show together uh, out of the out of a whim last year and uh it's it's grown with each show and each season so thank you for everyone who has started with us and picked up listening to us and continues to listen to us so uh, yeah yeah, yeah. To everyone. If ever you know even when you throw that simple thank you in a dm or or tweet directly at us say hey love the show this week or retweet or anything that means a lot and we appreciate all that all that positive feedback and negative if you have any if you have right, criticisms yeah. we'll yeah. take that too we'll yeah. probably ignore it but you can still send <laughs> it if you have it no. you're the one, yeah, if, no. if you don't like you're going to waste your time so i don't know if that's i don't think that's my yeah. problem <laughs> no just uh yeah no, just like what you guys said uh obviously you know every to every one of you guys thank you for even if you just listen to a part of an episode or just one episode or you know talk to us on twitter whatever uh you know like brett and justin just said it obviously it means a lot to us that you know actual people you know uh, listen to us every week and you know and yeah you know it's just uh, it's really cool of you all and uh thank you all right well that'll wrap up another disappointing minnesota wild season regular season postseason but doesn't mean we still can't have fun this offseason. Still a lot of fun things to look forward to um, for the offseason and the season upcoming. We still have Kirill Kaprizov for four more years. Matt Boley has 50 games in the NHL. Marco Rossi is yet to make his debut. Jesper Wallstedt's in the mix. The Wild are a great prospect pool. We have Billy Garrett at the helm. Things are going to be all right. We're going to get through this together. We're not going to be busy forever. I'm calling it here now. This is not a jinx. This is just being right for once and it will happen but um great offseason content coming your way stay tuned to the podcast feed for when all those will be coming um and we'll wrap up here zeke where can everybody find you and all of your work uh, as usual as usual you can uh, find me on twitter at zeke Boat, just capital z and a capital b you know that's where you can find uh you know like as usual all my thoughts banter whatever uh, you can find me there and justin 
You can find me at the East 2004. You can find me at Caprice of C with the Caprice of Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. All one word. Fun off season ahead. Stick with us. The wild content's not going anywhere. But until our next episode, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.